Prologue. She was in a child's bed, a Hello Kitty blanket pulled up to her chin. Stuffed animals surrounded her, a little plush frog with googly eyes, a duck with a faux leather beak. She heard something that sounded like a fire crackling, and a wash of hot air blew her hair back. Fire materialized in the space above her bed, a devilish man emerging from the flames. He was red, with hooved feet, and he carried a pitchfork. He was floating above her, his veined leathery wings beating with methodic slowness. She gasped, unable to breathe, unable to scream. The phrase, Mommy help me, formed in the back of her throat, but she was too afraid to voice it. The devil pointed his pitchfork at her. His eyes were dark as ink and bore into hers. Ruthie, he said, shaking his head. I can't let you get away. He raised his pitchfork up and then down, sinking it through the bedspread and right between her legs. Chapter One Cat woke with a start, gasping and sweating, the sounds of the plane's engines in her ears, soon joined by the sound of a little girl crying. Despite her best efforts not to, Cat had fallen asleep on the long flight from St. Louis, and she'd slipped into someone else's dream. Cat sat up, wiping the sweat from her brow. She wondered who Ruthie was. That's what the devil had called her in the dream. Shaking off the image, her senses returning, Cat realized there was a good chance that Ruthie was the girl who was crying in the back of the plane. Cat turned around to see if she could spot her. The seat backs were too high. She unfastened her seat belt and stood up as if to stretch. Nothing in the front rows. She turned and looked behind her. The crying seemed to come from the right side of the cabin. Also coming from that direction was a woman's troubled voice. It's okay. We'll be there soon. Everything will be okay. Cat followed the sound of the woman's voice. And there was the girl, sobbing into the woman's arms. Conscious of staring too much, Cat sat back down. She burned with a strange sense of frustration and embarrassment. Her dream-slipping experiences always told her just enough about people to feel as if she were a peeping Tom, voyeuristically sneaking into the minds of her dreamers. On the other hand, the dreams told her so little about who her dreamers really were. With strangers especially, she lacked the context that would make the dreams make more sense, give her something to hang them on. It was Kat's greatest hope that her grandmother, Grace, who shared her dream-slipping ability, would be able to help her do something useful with these dreams. That's why she was moving clear across the country from St. Louis to Seattle, to apprentice with Granny Grace, who had, for the most part of her life, used dream-slipping to solve crimes as a private investigator. As Kat's dreams had mostly been an awkward inconvenience in her life so far, Kat felt the weight of all that she had to learn. She sighed and settled back into her book, just as she heard the girl's crying subside. Kat saw the woman and girl once again when they landed at the SeaTac airport. The child was in that stage that Cat found amusing in little girls, 
when they began to express themselves by dressing in outrageous girly color combinations. She wore pink high-top tennis shoes with purple pants and a clashing yellow top. In her hair was a fuchsia bow with blue polka dots. They walked on ahead of her as if in a hurry. The woman, who was likely the girl's mother, tugged her daughter along after her as the child tried to keep up on skinny little legs. The girl was pulling a tiny pink suitcase on roller wheels with rainbow-colored letters spelling her name, R-U-T-H, across the front. Ruthie, the devil had said, I can't let you get away. Get away? In little girl speak, that could mean go on a trip or a move, but Kat couldn't tell by their carry-ons whether they were on a trip or moving across the country, as she was. Cat lost sight of them in the crowded corridor.